too, because I was thinking this is not normal for you to. Yeah, it's not. I but is anything normal for me? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you're going to probably talk a little bit about today. Okay, we are streaming. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I interrupt you, but Mitra, just could you kindly go on English channel so everyone can okay. hear you? Oh, okay. Yeah, he's not on that. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Go to English. And now, mute, mute can everyone hear? Okay. Everybody's okay? Everyone's okay. We've all. We've, um, <laughs> we, were, we were doing a, a session without you. We were. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I had everything all worked out. I even took some notes. So I well, I just want to introduce Mitra to everybody. This is our, our, our late uh, participant, our Sadhu here. And I'm going to read his very short bio. Um, he has uh, been a friend of mine for many, many years. And um, that's why I was worried about him, because this was very unusual behavior. Um, so, Mitra Sain Das. Um, in 1975, 18-year-old Mitra met devotees while hitchhiking in Mexico. He immediately joined the temple in Berkeley, California, where his main service was book distribution. <clears throat> and then transferred to Midwestern USA to visit colleges with Ganapati Swami. And in 1985, he married Mahara and they continued to work as a team. Mitra bringing new people in and Mahara holding them captive with cookies and wisdom. So yes, this has been, the, this has been their, their strategy for making devotees over the years. And, They've been very successful. Um, and I'll let, let Mitra maybe elaborate about some of their projects that they did together. Um, but we'll start with um, asking you, Mitra, if you could just, I mean, yeah, tell us a little bit about growing up and if you had any, if there were any clues in your life that would um, point to the fact that you were going to take up spiritual life, or was this totally unexpected and out of the blue for you? Okay, um, what is our time? I know it's Yeah, so we're going to have, usually we go to about 11.30, 11.35, and then open up for questions. Uh, 11.30, 11.35. You mean 12.30, 12.35? Yes, yes, 12.30, yes. Ooh, we've got to go really quick. Okay. Um, I, was, I was born in Hawaii, and the first things I remember were just really uh, everybody smiling and lots of flowers, and everywhere I looked was green and beautiful or else out to the ocean, it was blue and beautiful. And one of the first things I remember was uh, riding in an outrigger canoe and being like, I don't know, three years old or something. And all of these shiny brown people were paddling and, and looking at me and smiling. And um, 
and we caught a wave and it went fast and it was just fun. And, and so that was like the life I grew up around. And then like we'd go and visit these things called grandparents that were really nice and really liked me and, and cousins and uncles. And, and wherever I went, I just remember my mom would walk into a store with me and everybody in the store would just look and smile and, and it was great. That just seemed like, okay, this is a pretty good deal. And as I got older, it was still beautiful and green, but then I had to go to school and um, took on, yeah, I had to do assignments and, and stuff. And I, uh, even then we would look at the photo albums and look back at when we were three and four and say, that's, that's when life was good. That was, that was good. Really miss that. And I remember being nine years old and thinking, well, this is pretty good. And nine is sort of like four. It's like, you know, if you make a four and then you close up the top, it's nine. And so still, um, but uh, anyway, the, the family fell apart. Um, dad was, um, uh, he was, he was pretty active. Um, he would come home from work once in a while and usually he'd come home really late. It was rare that we got to sit with him at dinner. He, he said, I'm, I'm out fighting lions all day and he would draw pictures for us. He was a really good artist, but, uh, mostly his art was finding other women and my mom didn't really like that. Um, and so they got divorced and then we had to move to California, which from Hawaii just seemed like the most awful place to be, um, California, <laughs> which is also, this wasn't a bad place of all the places we could have moved to. Um, so I was 11 and then just kind of turned into from that teenage wasteland where I just wasted a lot of years with just becoming dissatisfied, not appreciative, angry at everybody, and just smoking a lot of marijuana and drinking a lot of beer and, and just not, not really growing or doing anything. And after a while I noticed I'm not talking to people much. I just kind of became very introverted and, and that felt, um, hmm, yeah, I felt really awkward. And so I was trying to break out of that and trying to find, uh, well, I don't know if I was even trying to find myself yet. I was just like, this isn't very good. I need to learn how to talk to people and so I would uh, go on long hitchhiking expeditions. So I'd be around different people so they wouldn't know how, how weird I was because I just thought I must be really weird. Um, and so I would just like invent these long conversations and things to talk about, but it wasn't really going very deep. Um, and then, yeah, one of those expeditions was going down to Mexico and on the way, um, 
stopped in San Diego and sitting out in the park with all of the other people that were like me, teenagers, early 20s, throwing frisbees, playing guitars, smoking. And, and uh, so I met some people and they were like, yeah, we're gonna go smoke some weed. And one of them said, yeah, but we're gonna go to the temple first because they got free food on Sundays. And so I went to the San Diego temple, which was painted really wild colors. And it had banana trees out front. And I thought that was, that was nice. Um, and we went inside and it was uh, just, it was the Sunday before Columbus Day. So just was that last, last week was my anniversary of first visit to the temple. Um, the reason I remember it was Columbus Day was Jayatirtha was giving a talk. He gave the lecture. Well, first of all, there's Kirtan and everybody was running back and forth across the temple. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. Simple instruments, everybody can get involved. It's not just for the musicians. This looks like a really nice community. They're all singing together, they're dancing together, they're laughing, they're smiling. And, um, and the kirtan just went on and on and on. And I was like, okay, I, I get the point. All right, when's this gonna end? And then finally it's like, okay, now we're gonna have a talk. And so this guy sits down, he picks up the cartels and he starts singing another song. I'm like, oh man, okay, all right. Um, so then he gives a talk and he says, Christopher Columbus discovered America. America existed before that, but he just came in and claimed it for Spain. Um, and in the same way, we throughout life claim so many things for ourselves. All of the materials are existing, the wood, the stone, the mortar, and we make buildings and we claim that they're ours. We're just moving things around. And then we claim that they are ours. And so I thought, well, this, this is pretty cool. I like this. We come into the world with nothing and we leave the world and nothing goes with us. Um, so what are we really? And I thought, yeah, that, that's kind of cool. I like that. But what really got me hooked was seeing Charlie Blankenship there in the temple, sitting on the floor with his wife, Vanessa. And Charlie had just visited our house in San Jose a couple months before. Um, he had traveled around the world in a sailboat, just working on sailboats as a sailor. And then they go to a port and he plays guitar and make enough money to have a good time. And he had this real pretty wife and she was wearing a sari. And I thought, well, that looks really nice. Um, and so when the lecture was over, it was time for the feast. I sat and talked with Charlie and he said, um, he invited me, come stay at my house right on the beach. And so that's where I started reading Bhagavad Gita, and I did eventually make it to Mexico, if anyone's worried. Um, uh, made it to Mexico, just walked around a little bit and then walked back and, and um, so Charlie loaded me up with his Back to Godhead magazines and then I hitchhiked on home 
with the plan. I'm going to enjoy the material world for two months and then move into the temple. And uh, so that's that's what I did. Um, let's see, where, where do you want this to go? Is there, I know I'm supposed to say something really. Yeah, weird. well, just, um, yeah, so you had two months of trying to enjoy before you gave that up. How'd that go for you? Did that, were you able to enjoy or was it, did you have some sense that, yeah, yeah there really is sense? It was just pretty much the same thing. It was just um, being with friends and they were saying, come on, let's get stoned. And I was like, I'm trying to read these books and they're, they're hard enough to read. And they would look at the pictures and say, wow, man, whoever painted that, they're smoking some good stuff. And, and they just kept pushing me. And after a while, I was like, this isn't getting anywhere. So I didn't make it for the whole two months. I ended up asking my mom. She gave me a ride up to the freeway entrance where I just stuck my thumb out on a ride. Um, to the temple. Yeah. And that, oh, cool. that, went pretty good. that was one thing when um, I tried chanting. And the idea was you chant and your life just gets arranged. Yeah, I, I wasn't thinking of chant and be happy. It was like chant and your life gets arranged for you. And I was finding that when I was hitchhiking, uh, a lot has to do with just your attitude. If you're getting grouchy and impatient, it's like you never get a ride. But as soon as you're just calm and okay, whatever's coming my way, um that uh, that works and so I, I found that by chanting and I was too shy to chant from people so I'd be out there holding my thumb out chanting you know if nobody was around Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare Hare and then just I was getting interesting rides with really interesting people and that ride to the temple was so good. It was a pretty long ways, and just by chance, I got a ride that a guy was going right up, and he said, "Yeah, I can just go a couple streets over and drop you off on Stewart Street. I know where the temple is." And uh, on that ride, it was some one of those guys. Everybody back then, if they could grow a decent beard and long hair. And if they had to wear glasses, they would wear round glasses so they look like John Lennon. John Lennon. <laughs> or if they didn't wear glasses, they tried to look like George Harrison. So this guy kind of looked like both. <laughs> he was like Mr. Cool. And he said, yeah, driving along here. I picked up Jesse Colin Young. He was out hitchhiking once. And, what? From the Young Woods. Um, and just he had just met all kinds of cool people. And he said, yeah, the Krishnas are into some good stuff, but just don't. Don't lose your personality in there. Don't, don't let them like push you around too much. And I said, yeah, I, but I was, I was thinking, I don't even know who I am. I'm trying to, I'm not even trying to find myself. I'm just looking for, I don't even know what I'm looking for. Um, just looking for an alternative. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew that the drugs and stuff was like, wasn't really, it wasn't making me happy and when I saw older people doing it I thought man these people look like losers look at them that guy must be like 25 years old and he's still smoking weed I mean with us us teenagers what a loser 
Um, so do you have anything better to do? Um, so uh, anyway, yeah, the first day I, I walked in and Haripad greeted me at the temple. And he was a great big smile and welcoming and asking a lot of questions. And later on, I figured out, okay, he's just trying to figure out if I'm addicted to drugs, addicted to smoking, if I have any mental imbalance and okay. Um, but it was good. He, he uh, gave me a very disciplined format. You know, every morning we'd wake up at three o'clock and, and he introduced me to the cold shower. He said, uh, he, yeah, three o'clock in the morning. He said, up and Adam, Haribo Prabhu, it's time to rise and shine for Prabhupada. And he put on the, the uh, tape recording, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. And then uh, that was every morning he'd come in and say the same thing, hit the tape recorder, and that was our wake up call. Um, that was better than getting a mop in your face. Uh, yeah. My husband said that if you didn't get up in the morning, they had a wet mop. They just started mopping the floor. And if you were still sleeping on the floor, you got mopped. <laughs> yeah, so I had a pretty good, pretty good introduction. And Harry Potter was, was really good at that. So we walked over to the shower and he asked, did you ever, have you ever taken a swim in an ice cold mountain? stream and i said yeah i did that up in lake tahoe and then we used to go to this other place up in the redwoods and and you know i just started telling all these stories okay good so that's what we do every morning um that was great that was really that was a, a good, was really good frame of, yeah. of a cold shower <laughs> that was really so uh <laughs> i took the cold shower and i thought wow, this is great. I can't wait to get home and tell all my friends about this. What a great idea. This feels really good. Because it does. It does. Um, but day after day, um, <laughs> it kind of wears on you, um, especially in the winter. Um, we didn't have Wim Hof to listen to back then. We didn't have that. We didn't have Wim Hof, the, one, the, the guy that is like really into like taking ice cold showers and you know, oh, he's very popular in the melting ice cubes yeah sitting yeah. in a bathtub full of ice. Yeah. yeah that's the guy okay yeah, yeah. yeah he talks about the yoga of building out yeah that would have been very useful it would have been we it would have helped us to see it from I, another perspective yeah i watched a little video of a bunch of devotees singing Gurvashtakam with Prabhupada there. It was one of those old videos and they're in an airport or something. And um, and just hearing all of that, and it just reminded me of numb fingers. <laughs> Hands were like yellow, like for no circulation. Uh, but we would dance, and that was that was the thing. We would dance really hard every day. Um, but that, that first day, Haripad brought me into the temple and he pointed to all of these devotees sitting, leaning against the wall. And they all looked half asleep. And he said, these are some of the, the most important people in the world. They've given their life to serving God. And I looked at them and they're all like half asleep. And I thought, oh, 
I'm going to do better than these people. I'm, I'm going to show them how to just give me a week or two. I'll, I'll have this down. And he showed me how to chant on the beads. Oh, this is easy, man. I can do this. And so I sat there and I was just chanting. And yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to show everyone here how to do it. And, um, uh, so that went pretty good. And um, singing the songs in the morning, he had to be the songbook. And I was like, okay, cool. This is just like, it's the same. Um, the alphabet is the same for the Hawaiian alphabet. So I could recite the Bengali and the Sanskrit really easy. And it's like, oh man, I'm digging this. This is fun. Um, okay. So there we go. I got that much. Now you're supposed to ask. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you're, it seems like your motivation for coming to, to Krishna was just looking for something. Your life was just kind of you know, not very inspiring to you, it sounded like. And you got tired of the, you know, just the hanging out and getting stoned. And that just, you know, it wasn't, they thought there, there, there must be something a little bit more to this. And so it was an alternative that made sense to you. You heard, heard a class and there were some lines in it that you really resonated with. And yeah, I can get behind this. And, and so you, you kind of just try, tried it out. You were trying it out. That's what it sounds like. So what was it that really, at what point do you feel like you really made a commitment to you that your heart was committed that this is my path? And I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Was there a moment in time or was it something very gradual? How did that go? Um, yeah, kind of gradual. And most of it was just not really well thought out. It was just, just like, going along with the ride. Going along and like one day we were out on Telegraph Avenue chanting with the Kirtan party. Well, that was another thing I was thinking like, I'm not going out chanting. I'm here to read the Bhagavad Gita. I want to understand this book. And I'm not doing that street stuff. And I'm not cutting all my hair off. So I had hair as long as yours. Um, <laughs> um, but the very first day, Haripad, you know, welcomed me and showed me around, fed me and, and everything, and then said, we're we're going to go out chanting tonight because there's a Crosby, Stills and Nash concert right up the road. And, and I said, well, you know, I'm not going to do that. And he said, okay, all right. But, you know, it's Crosby, Stills and Nash. And, and uh, you know, everybody's going. We're all going to it. And I don't know, somehow he just kind of gently talked me into it and said, well, all right, I guess so much for my commitment not to go out. So the very first day I was out on the street chanting and just thinking okay maybe i'll see some of the some of the band and maybe I'll be able to go in somehow but now i was with the devotees and it was like there we are and there's everybody else all of a sudden i'm in the ring with these people i'm not the guy watching the devotees chanting i'm one of those people there but i still had my hair and uh so the next few days we went out and okay, that's what we do. All right, I guess so. It's good to be outside. And, uh, but uh, one of the things that uh, 
Um, okay, yeah, devotees wouldn't talk about anything but Krishna. And that was so like the only conversation they could have was, how did you happen to join? And so that's all anyone would ever talk with me about. Um, it wouldn't talk about you know what I was doing before. I was like, oh, don't want to don't want to hear that. Um, so just to keep the conversation going, I would ask them, well, how did you join? And everybody had some really weird story of being at a Santana concert, and I was tripping on like twelve hits of acid, and and everybody's face looked evil, and then the devotees appeared. And they looked pure and lit up. And so then I knew that's the truth. And so I went home with them. And everybody had like some really weird story like that. And I thought there was something wrong with me because I just came from reading the books. And I thought, and people would tell me when I chant, I hear Krishna's flute sometimes. And um, everybody seemed like they had taken a lot more LSD than me. And, and I thought maybe something was wrong with me i hadn't hadn't taken enough huh? yeah i was missing something but then one day we were out on the street and i was i had my long hair all tied back and, and this guy on the street was talking with me and he said you know i see you every day don't cut your hair off i want to be able to tell you apart from all of the others and the, the guy who had joined from the you know 12 hits of acid at the santana concert he just was listening and looking really peaceful and he had his shiny light bulb head um and he just like really peacefully he said he asked that guy have you ever felt the sun shining on a clean shaven head and the guy said no i haven't he said you're really missing something and so that's what convinced me <laughs> it, I was only 18, you know, I wasn't like really <laughs> deeply philosophical. Um, <laughs> well, that, yeah, that the idea of having an experience, just like um, the cold showers that Harry Pod was able to make it sound like, wow, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, diving into this wonderful Lake Tahoe or whatever. And, and that, that got you, that got you. So, See, Mitra's, I can tell you a little bit about his personality type. He, um, if you can make it fun for him, he'll do anything for you. But you have to figure out how to make it sound like it's going to be fun. So, Mitra, can you come over and fix my washing machine? <laughs> but yeah, you can't ask him that. You have to say something that'll make it sound like it's going to be fun. That's, and that's how he that's his motivation in life if it's going to be fun so it sounds like krishna spoke through different people in very um perfect way for for engaging you you well, know I, this could be fun having a bald head and having the sun shine you know reflecting off my bald head I, that's that's cool that's fun <laughs> yeah so i i went home and or went back to the temple and we cut it all off and then I went outside and the sun was shining on it. It's like, it feels the same. <laughs> <laughs> but you got tricked, you got tricked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so then maybe, another, yeah, I was just gonna say, maybe, maybe I'm just, you know, I wanna make sure we yeah. get, get to our 
you know, the, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, just so what were some of the early struggles that you had um, after, you know, making the commitment to stay at least for some time? Um, what were some challenges and how did you persevere? How did you overcome them? How did you go forward? I don't know. I was just there and it wasn't really that hard. And here's, here's another little story. We were out on Telegraph Avenue and I was pretty new and they had told me and told all of us new bhaktas, maybe remember Shaktipati, he visited town. He was also, he joined a whole month before I did. So he was like, you know, I looked yeah, up to him. He was your senior. And uh, so they, they said, you know, just get into the chanting. Don't look at what the people are doing. Don't get caught up in the, you know, the material environment. We should just chant purely and give everything we can. And that's how we're going to help these people. And so I thought, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And so we were chanting and we stopped on this one corner and everybody was, you know, doing the swami step back and forth. And on the opposite corner, I noticed a group of really grungy looking hippie type folks. And then I noticed one of them throwing a tomato across the street at the chanting party. And so when the devotee went like this way, the tomato would fly over his head. And then he'd go like this and another tomato would fly over. And so every time they moved, nobody got hit and nobody even noticed that going on. And so I, you know, I was just trying not to pay attention to it. I thought, you know, this, this is just kind of normal stuff. Um, and then, you know, I was just like felt guilty for like watching that. I should just be chanting because that's going to solve everything. And then, um, they're passing out flyers and people would take a flyer and walk with it and drop it somewhere. And so this one of the girls, the Bodhi girls went out into the street to pick up a flyer that someone had dropped. And as she bent over, an egg flew right over her head and landed into the car that was sitting at the stoplight. It was just like a little sports car with the top down, little MG or something. And that guy put on his handbrake, he jumped out. And just then a police car happened to be driving by and he waved at him and he was and like, oh, Hare Krishna, I shouldn't be watching this. And sometime later, there was a big police car there loading up all of those people. Um, and I went back to the temple with everybody. Nobody said anything about it. I don't know if anybody noticed it, but I just kind of felt like, okay, if I have any obstacles, if I have any problems, she's gonna take care of it. So long as I'm dancing, you know, it's just gonna go right over my head. And it's been pretty much like that. Um, uh, I don't know if it consciously made an Im impression on me, but I, it was yeah, always- It's a wonderful story. So, you know, and then you are observing that, and I'm, you know, samskara made us samskara for sure. That here, these devotees are just chanting, and 
and there's these malicious people trying to, you know, disturb them and hurt them. And they weren't even paying any mind to it and how Krishna took care of it. I mean, I think that's such a nice example of where we want to be all the time that things, cause yeah, the world is throwing things at us all the time. Maya's just, you know, throwing rotten tomatoes and eggs at us all the time. And um, yeah, and Krishna is protecting us all the time, but we don't always remember that. We lose sight of that. So that's yeah, we don't recognize it, yeah. That would be so, actually, I was thinking that'd be a really good, you know, music video. Dodging these things and they're just going on like nothing, nothing, you know, ever, you know, disturbs my world. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're running short on time, and I know I'm supposed to say something really embarrassing. And Ryan, Gordon Ryan, he's sitting right here. Oh, Gordon Ryan, yeah, he's making sure that Dad says something that's going to be. Uh... This is a true story. He asked me once, "What is the most embarrassing thing that you've ever done in your life?" And so I got to get this off my chest. Okay, and well, let's have it. And like you know. Uh, okay, maybe it's a bit bold to let him know what I really did. But once I cooked something and I didn't put enough salt in it. Um, so I, I hope you're not going to hold that against me. And <laughs> So Mitra is averse to talking about things. <laughs> That aren't, that aren't like happy and um <laughs> yes that is definitely one of the things he doesn't like to to um i, I wanted to get it off my on the, ne the negative things in his life so now we know the worst thing that ever has happened to mitra saying and his whole life is he forgot to put salt in something that he cooked. I, well, I didn't forget to put salt. I just didn't put enough. You didn't Let's put not, enough salt. Not didn't exactly. Let's not get dramatic here. Okay. So um, we all have a lot of empathy for you. And um, we hope that you heal from that trauma very soon. <laughs> I've been processing it. And it's been helpful. So... I have is there, no anything, is there anything that you would like to share that? Any, anything in your journey as a sadhaka that has been challenging in a way that, you know, you really had to, you know, it's, it's forced you to take more shelter and helped you to become more of a, a, a surrendered devotee. And is there anything that you would like to share? And you, you know, I mean... That's the messiness. We all have our, yeah. our messiness, everybody. Yeah. And I just exposed some of it. Yeah. Well, we, 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 like we said, we feel a lot of empathy for this. So, um, when, um, okay, 1977, we were distributing books and it was like, yeah, I wanted, I'd, I'd heard of the old time devotees who had, like gathered up great big groups of hippies and gotten crowds of hundreds of people to chant with them. And I always wanted to do something like that. And here I was in this movement that was just so 
regimented and I would go out and distribute books all day. And like, that was the best service. And we were doing that to keep Prabhupada alive. He said the book, hearing about the book scores is keeping me alive. And so that's all we did. We put on a wig and we'd go out and I thought, well, I want to learn how to really have a conversation with these people. And but that just wasn't, it wasn't happening. And I was feeling kind of like, well, I want to do something else. And so anyway, ended up in Chicago traveling with Ganapati Swami for three years as a brahmachari. And that was really nice. We'd go to colleges and there I got two things that I really wanted was to be able to sit and play Murdanga a lot to really get good on Murdanga. And so we'd do kirtans for about six hours every day and my hands would get really tough and beat up. And um, so when I would go out and distribute books, if I met someone in construction, I could just say, yeah, I've done a little work too. And I'd show my hands and all the calluses on there and they'd be like, oh my God, you have. Uh, <laughs> and then also talking to the students all day long, every day we were on the job, like from five o'clock in the morning in the campground, when we'd wake up, we'd be meeting people and talking to them and like, cause we were in our uniform always. And so that was great. Um, and, but after a few years of that, I was thinking how great it would be to do that with not a Swami, but with a woman and, and how that would make us more accessible and, and so, then, then we got married and you know, found Mahara and that, that just all fell into place. Again, it wasn't really very well thought out. It just kind of happened. And um, People throwing eggs at you and tomatoes and you were just yeah. and <laughs> Just happened to be moving the right way. And, yes. and then there we go. And okay, yeah, this looks like, this one looks like it could work. And okay, yeah, let's get married. and. And um, let's start having kids right away too. Cause you know, we, I don't know. We didn't really think that one through either. Like waiting like until we get enough money together or a place to stay. It was like, oh, let's, let's have a kid. And, and I don't, yeah. And so that's kind of how we do a lot of things. We just go and let's go open a temple. Okay. and and just go somewhere and see what happens. And some things you just spend too much time thinking through. Mm -hmm. um, and, but then after, think, after doing that a few times, then you can plan things out better. Um, uh, okay, yeah, there's just, man, it's already 1230. And I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to find something to, <laughs> <laughs> something Some messiness yeah uh, yeah there's a there's a bunch but i like i gotta work up to it and then yeah. no yeah. sorry yeah. Well, no i know it was kind of like and it's all well the messiness was i was supposed to be here <laughs> an hour ago i'm sorry <laughs> um but we're going through the messy moving this and um yeah i got a lot going on right now so 
Yeah, Mitra and Mahara moving down to Alachua to be with our, our new Sri Chaitanya Sangha in Alachua. We've got and the, the ISKCON devotees and the Narayan Maharaj devotees. It's quite a, um, a wonderful place for that, that there's, you know, a lot of variety and um, seems to be pretty good dealings with everybody so, so far. So, um, yeah, looking forward to having you guys down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of the, it's like so many of the kids that I taught how to play music. Yeah, Mitch is a really good musician. He's, uh, I mean, there isn't any instrument I don't think that he doesn't, he can't pick up and play. And he makes his own instruments. He has something called the Mitra Tar that he makes with um, tin cans and, and a, a, yeah, it's quite- Strings and- String, I mean, yeah, it's simple, but really sounds great. And, and so he's well known and everywhere, everywhere he goes, he meets all the musicians in the area and kind of gets them to have a little interest in Krishna and- uh, and he had a, he and Mahara started a, a little preaching center in Prabhupada Village. Um, and that was a very successful preaching center. And, and they would invite Guru Maharaj to come and he wasn't allowed to go to the, the main temple because he wasn't in ISKCON. So he'd come to the Krishna Road Temple, and um, that was that was wonderful, actually. And he made a number of disciples there. Um, Aradhana came from that preaching center, and uh, Bhakti Lata, and who else? We had a number of devotees. Oh, Nam Chintamani and um, Shamlo. Jagan Mohan and his wife. So yeah, so um, Mitch has done a lot of seva for for Sri Chaitanya Sangha. He's you know he has dual nationality, I'd say, or or maybe more than dual dual nationality. <laughs> Eric, Eric uh, came through Paul, who I met in anyway. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's in my downline. So I'm I'm sad. I don't need to do anything anymore. Yeah, right. You don't need to. You have all these young people doing your work for you. So it's the uh, marketplace, the holy name. So yes. we do our marketing and you get your downline and you get uh, how's the song go? I'll I'll bring you in, I'll introduce you to Nichananda and you'll get the treasure of the holy name and I'll get my commission. So I get a little commission from everybody I bring in. That's right. And you can retire now. Of the three kinds of gurus, you've got um, initiating guru, instructing guru, and the Vardma Pradarshika, the one that introduces people. That's the easiest one. You get the most commission. Nobody <laughs> gets mad at you. Nobody criticizes you. Um, yeah, so that you're spe you specialize in that in the Bart the Bartmo Guru. It's really the best deal. Yeah. You get the best return on that one. 
Okay. At least headache. Exactly. <laughs> there are a few in that cause some headaches. Um, we don't need to bring up that. Um, so uh, for all of you that are on the call, Gordon or Ian, can you get on the screen for a second? One, see, this is this is one of the um, the Gordon Ryan. I would say is one of the the gifts that came out of Mitra Sain's um, life. <laughs> he brought this beautiful Vaishnav into the world, and I remember Gordon Ryan was probably what fifteen, maybe even younger than that. I don't remember, but you were you came to hear Swami. Um, at our house and you were sitting up on the stairs and um, you asked a question and I don't remember what the question was but I remember Guru Maharaj saying to you just come live with me just come live with me and I'm like oh my god I can't believe he's saying this to this kid that's you know never come to see him before and, and Gordon Ryan shortly thereafter a couple years probably he was living with Guru Maharaj. So this is the fruit of the, one of the fruits, beautiful fruits of um, Mitra Sain's life is this wonderful Vaishnav. And we want to interview you too one day. Oh, mentioning Chukarari Swami. That was part of the messiness in Berkeley was after Prabhupada left the world, then, um, yeah, the movement became very different. Um, and Hamsaduta became the guru in the GPC. And after a couple of years of that, it was like, this is, this isn't right. This isn't. So I just went out distributing books around there. And then and I was taking a couple of other devotees out and somehow the word got out. And so the GBC was, they were sending different devotees in because they heard there's some devotees distributing books there. We want to try to get that going. And so Hridaya Nandamaraj came in and he gave some lectures on book distribution and they were pretty good. And then Chukarari Swami came by Sheshika. They're sending out the heavy artillery and so I got to go out with, with them and, um, around San Francisco and uh, what was it? Vista Point was overlooking the Golden Gate Bridge across the bay. And that was like, that was like really the best spot in Muir Woods. And, uh, so got to go on book distribution with Swami and he had a reputation wherever he would go. Um, he would, he was like a magnet really good people would come in to the, like if he was at the airport, everybody wanted to go to the airport with him. Just, if he was there, good people would come. Everybody would have a big day. And then, uh, so after Berkeley, moved to Chicago and he was there all the time. So got to hear from him a lot. And he was saying a lot of the same things that he's saying now, he was always quoting that verse about sakyam vijaru krita punya punja that uh, just by performing heaps and piles of pious activities these cowherd boys um, got their position and he was saying that about just keep distributing these books 
do this yagya. This is the way to please Prabhupada. And uh, yeah, I remember coming in to his room once, all the brahmacharis would sit in a room and, and he was saying, this is our life. Distributing the books and reading the books. Um, and so yeah, it made a deep impression on us. Also being around Mahaniti, I was always around these devotees, Nagaraj, they're deep into reading the books. And so, yeah, I was, that kind of helped clean up any messiness. Sorry to give such a boring. Uh, no, not boring at all. I mean, it's crying. I mean, it, what it shows is that some people, the messiness, I mean, you, I know you've had tons of messiness. I could, I could tell you, spend the next hour of all the messiness that I know he's been through. But yeah, he's just, he's got a certain nature that allows him to dodge the rotten tomatoes. So I think that was a great, a great um, metaphor for your life was that, that, and that it stuck with you so much, I think also. So yeah, we all, one thing that I really like about, like say the Enneagram with the nine different personality types is, yeah, it's like nine different strategies with trying to live in the material world. And, you know, and um, so you're, you, you know, your type of, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, you don't, you, 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 the messiness happens and like here they're doing our long and picking the worst time of the week to come and do the lawn. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> the messiness. The I don't hear it. It's not much. You, you don't hear it much. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just appreciating. I mean, I think that it's really good because some different, you know, devotees have had experiences and it affected them very deeply and different ways. And, and yeah. you know, so we're all different. And I think that's, I think that's what you showcase today. And I appreciate, you know, that it, it's not like everyone has to, I mean, you've had the messiness, but somehow you've, you've let it go or you've been able to roll with the punches more. That's probably more a accurate thing. And um, so, yeah, it's kind of, it makes life easier. You know, you have a personality style that has allowed you to get through it, I think maybe a little easier. Okay, I would just wonder if anyone, if anyone has a question that they would like to ask because we're getting to the end of our time. Yeah, sorry about that. Nine different strategies you mentioned. So you could use this when you're with some of your clients. You can say there are different strategies for different matages. Okay. <laughs> different strategies for different matages. <laughs> yeah, they have to be British or Australian. So they different strategies for different, different strategies. <laughs> Or different strategies for different messages. <laughs> yes, he's a punster. That's one of his humor. Is one of Mitra Singh's. Um, That's the messiness. <laughs> humor, his music. You know, these are his help him to kind of cope with the messiness. I think, and of course, his practice, spiritual practices. And in bringing new people in, I've found that like most people are not rational. And so you just got to make it like either fun or something that feels good. And yeah, yeah. That's how you get them in. And 
And then, yeah, we could sit down and discuss the philosophy, but the main hook is that felt good. Mm, yeah, having an experience of that. Yeah. Okay. So do, we have, do you have anybody that would like to ask the question? Any good jokes? Sure, yeah. Just to let Mitra know that before you, we, we had to fill the time. So we had devotees kind of share what they've been getting out of the listening to the talks. Okay. So go ahead, Akra. Thank you. That that was from Vaishnav Das from from Argentina. Jai, thank you very much. Oh man, then, I, heard um, that I could have told. I could have unloaded a few things. <laughs> we had um. Yeah, Gurunish just says that my internet connection is very bad. So he's going to type his question here. Could you tell us about, okay, can you tell us about meeting Srila Prabhupada for the first time? Hmm. Okay. Um, I joined in November of 1977 or 1975. Prabhupada arrived in Los Angeles in, was it June? 76. So I've been a devotee for all of seven months and didn't really know much, but uh, all I can tell you is, I don't know, try to get the experiential part. Um, we drove from Berkeley down to LA um, and then like, okay, then everybody get in the vans, we're all gonna go meet him at the airport. And there I was with, I don't know, two or 300 devotees, the most I'd ever seen before. And um, just color and sound and kirtan. And then here comes Prabhupada. And the first thing I thought was like, there's, there's the guy, there he is. He looks like he looks in the pictures. And he had lots of garlands on him with you know, little tinsel kind of things. And devotees were just running and crying. And then he was coming on down the walkway. And then you got the moving floors you know, going this way and this way in the airport. Devotees were on the one going this way. And they're just running to be next to Prabhupada. And whatever people in the airport happened to be on that runway, it was just 
too bad, we're coming through. Um, and then uh, we all jump back in the vans and race back to the temple to greet him again. And as he walked in, they blew, they had these long trumpets and they had conch shells blowing and, and then the ladies were up on the top dropping flowers on Prabhupada as he walked through and he just kind of was looking really calm and walked in. And then he bowed down in front of the deities really slowly and deliberately. And we all bowed down and did that before the three altars. He got up on the Vyasa sun. There's a kirtan. They washed his feet, I guess. I couldn't see. And then they set up a microphone for him. And so the first words I got to hear Prabhupada say was, so it is late. We shall take rest. And everyone said, Jai Srila Prabhupada. And, and uh, so then the next, the next morning, well, that day, um, I helped cut up vegetables in the kitchen. Agni Dave was the cook. And the next morning, Agni Dave led Mongol Arctic. And I thought, well, what a nice temple. Even the cook is a pretty good singer. Um, and then uh, Prabhupada came in for the class and then it was just a big struggle because I couldn't understand a word he said and I couldn't stay awake and I was just struggling to stay awake. But one thing that I did catch, it was the Vishnu Dudas talking to the Yama Dudas um, with voices like rumbling thunder and the Yamadudas were asking, who are you people? And the Vishnuduta simply smiled. And so Prabhupada, he, in his class, he said, and so the same way, we are going everywhere, preaching about Krishna. We are just like the Vishnudutas. And when people ask, who are you? What are you doing here? We simply smile. And everyone laughed and said, Jai Prabhupada. And I caught that much. <laughs> and then at the end, he closed the class saying, Manmana Bhavamadbhakto Madhyaji Mamnamaskuru. And then he said, These four things, do these four things. And then he leaned into the microphone and he said, I guarantee back home, back to Godhead. And then everyone cheered and that was it. And, Cheer, they bowed down, big kirtan, and that was it. That was about all I saw. So I did get to see moment, him. Yeah, moment association. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It, some, it, I'm sure it left really, really deep impression in your heart. Well, uh, one thing I remember when he was walking through, the temple room, and I was thinking, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And then Haripad leaned over to me and he said, you're looking at the most important person on the whole planet right now. And I thought, okay, that's good. Thank you. That's really good. I still didn't really know what to do with that. Or it was just like, okay, it's important. I'm trying to take pictures in my brain and hold the memory and I know this is important uh, okay thank you everyone
there was a comment here um, from Bindu Mati Sothi Hi, <laughs> Yes, please. Thank you. Where does she live? Okay, so I got to travel all over Mexico too. Um, that was fun, the big Kirtan troop. Mexico people, Colombia people, everywhere people are nice. Uh, I'm still ready to travel if anyone wants to team up with me. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Can we do original sound off? Okay, so um, I guess we're pretty much out of time unless anybody has something really, really important they want to ask or say at the end, we'll wrap it up. So I want to thank all the devotees that are that got on today and we thank Mitra um, Singh for coming um, better late than never, as they say, and um, really appreciated hearing your story um, and what you shared, yeah, I think, whatever we share is valuable, you know, and um, I appreciate it a lot. So next week um, we have, as doing an interview, we have um, Gopal Nandini. So yeah, so that'll be very, very nice. And then the weekend uh, and the week after that, I'm going to announce Govinda Dasi will be um, and, and we're all, everyone's excited about having the ladies get on. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you so much, all of you. And thank you, Akura, for your translation work. It's, it's invaluable to, for us to include our wonderful Spanish-speaking devotees. And uh, we'll see everybody soon. And uh, yeah, there are classes, talks being streamed for Gumaraj's visit in North Carolina too. So you can check the um, Sri Chaitanya Sangha for um, the schedule on there. Jai, Hari Bo, Hari Krishna. Hello, Hari Krishna. Hari 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 Hari. Hari. <laughs> that was fun, Metra.
It was, yeah. I'm only ready to do it. Hi, Mo. Hey, hi, Krishna.